This message is brought to you by Heartland Family Fellowships. Hi, my name is Steve Finney, and I will be your speaker today. We thank you for listening in on our podcast and hope that the Lord does bless you as you listen today. The title of our message this morning is The Purpose of Men. We are going to talk about the purpose for man, for your daddy, for your opa, for your grandpa, for your brother. We're going to talk about the purpose for men. And the verse that was just read out of Ezekiel 40, 14 through 15, and Genesis 5, 2, and 3 is where we're going to start. And I will come back to these verses. But first of all, we need to understand this. Men are birthed to be representatives of the Father and of our husband, Jesus Christ. So when you see your daddy, you should be seeing God the Father. When you see your daddy, you should be seeing how Jesus Christ loves and cares for the church. And sometimes when we look at our daddies, we don't see Jesus Christ and how he loves and cares for the church. And that's why we have to talk about how we can help men become men of God instead of men who just want to do their own thing. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may be well with you and that you may live long on the earth. Now seriously, question I have for you guys is really what does one have to do with the other? I mean, there's very few passages in the entire Bible that actually make the connection that you'll have a longer or long life if you do something. This is one that keeps showing up all the way through the Old Testament into the New Testament. Why would God put such a heavy, heavy emphasis? Every day of our lives, people are taking everything from health supplements to exercising four hours a day to what trying to get longer life. They're spending thousands, and globally, they're spending billions of dollars on health stuff to make sure they live a longer life. So God actually knows that this is one of the primary drives of mankind, to live a longer life. I had one pastor say to me many years ago, and I have kept that quote active in my ministry, and that is, would someone please tell me one profession that is not driven to promote longer life? Pastor, that's what he does. A farmer, it's what he does. Healthcare workers, it's what they do. Insurance salesmen, it's what they do. There really is no profession that is somehow either in a twisted way or in a godly way trying to extend life. So God knows this is, this is a big, big deal to people. Why would he connect it to honor and particularly 
honoring your father and mother. Okay? All right? Okay? So, when you heard Jesus say, What you do unto the least of these, my brethren, you do unto me. Now, that's a New Testament thing that Jesus said. But you see, Jesus didn't live in the New Testament. Jesus was a full-on demonstration of the Old Testament. That's why he had to fulfill the Old Testament. He had to complete the Old Testament. He had to fulfill the law. He was the law. He was the Old Testament. He is bringing these statements to its conclusion. I'm going to give you the power to actually be able to do this now. That's New Testament, New Covenant. Everyone failed at it in the Old Testament. So the key here is that when you honor your father and mother, they are the symbol of God. There's no difference. Zero difference. Whether they're unreasonable and harsh or whether they're reasonable and loving. So someone read for me 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 18. 1 Peter Chapter 2, verse 18. Okay, so the following verses says, For this finds favor in the eyes of God if a man suffers when bearing up unjustly. For what good is there if you are submitting when you are doing right or your leader is doing right? But see, where true favor of God is, in order to get the favor of this to have a long life you must bear up under any kind of parent there is an abusive parent harsh or a loving parent gracious so therefore the key becomes actually honor you can actually honor an unreasonable authority you can honor a parent who is not a good parent by the standards of man or God. So, this long life, it has a lot to do, if not uh, hinging upon honoring the father of the household. The mother is one flesh with that father. So if you diss the mother, you're dissing the Father. If you're dissing the Father, you're dissing God. And He will hold a mark in heaven against you. So when you repent and you ask God to cleanse you from the rebellion of your, of your life, your childhood, the dishonor that you have given to your father and mother, you are literally appealing to God to clear you of those sins so you can have long life eternally. The message of the cross and salvation is in this passage. But those people who pray this prayer at the end of a Billy Graham crusade because they want to get their tickets in their back pocket and they go on dishonoring their parents or one of them. For some reason my computer wants to keep going into hibernation. Usually means it's not plugged in, but it appears it is. Okay, so there are so many people that go right back to dishonoring authority 
and going on with their Christian lives. And I think something that we really need to truly seriously consider is were those true conversions and were those true salvations. So how do we know of a true conversion? What is the evidence of true conversion? True conversion is love. First thing that starts to happen with you is you start loving those who are unlovable. You start loving those who are harsh and unreasonable. You start loving. Love happens to be the same connection, at least in the Greek, to honor and respect. But the Bible says in 1 John that God is love. So you see how the first fruit that shows up after salvation is the Father. Because you can say God is love because that's exactly how James said it, but, or John, but the, the truth of the matter is it is the Father is love. So now coming back to understand the purpose of men, well, that's a significant, that's a significant biblical teaching for me. Because the Father is love. If the Father of a household is not demonstrating and showing love, he's not a father. He may be a father naturally, but he is not really demonstrating fatherhood. Lovehood. The love of God. So love descends rather than ascends. So love comes down from heaven. Love is poured in. There's nothing inside the cup itself that can actually manifest love. So my question to you right now is, can non-Christians love? If God is love, can non-Christians love? So, if the world, well, I think everyone, every one of us would agree that Satan has no ability to love, is that correct? And unsaved people are of, of Satan. He's their father. So therefore, if he's the father of lies, the fact is, is if God is love, and God means father, translates out as father, then Satan says, I am love. So what he's doing in unbelievers is he's manifesting this false illusion that you can muster up love from the bottom, up. And it's nothing, nothing more than selfishness, self-love, self-God, self-fathering. I will be my own father. That's what the world is filled with. People running around saying, I will be my own father. I don't need to reconcile with my father. I will be my own father. I will be my own love. I will be God. That's the deception that we are suffering with in our world today. That love can ascend instead of the concept of love descends. This is the only source of love. And the only way to get it is from ascension. There's nothing in the cup.
that can muster up love. <coughs> Therefore, the, this commandment is more needed than one concerning parents' duties to children, but as a requirement for the children to understand and embrace the love and the personhood of the Heavenly Father. Always directs back to God the Father. Everything is to be pointed back to God the Father. If it does not, then it's from the Father of lies. When an earthly father embraces the descending love of God, he can then pass the Father onto his generations. Dishonoring parents is one of the worst sins. Bible's filled with it. It doesn't get any worse than dishonoring your parents. It doesn't get any worse than dissing a patriarch. You are literally dissing God. I don't care what they sound like, act like, or look like. It is dissing God. It's dishonoring Him. And somehow Christians in the world today, I'm putting those that in quotes, have somehow separated these truths from salvation. They are not to be separated because they are the same truth. The parent was not to inflict death, but to bring the refracted, refract, refractory, which means person of fractions, violations, being headstrong, unruly, like a lot of us were when we were kids. We need to bring those children to the city leaders at the gate. This is how they used to do it. And the elders of the land would actually deliver discipline to those, those young people. So if you said to your children, please stop doing that, and they didn't listen to you, and this became a pattern, then Q would, would be responsible for taking that child before, nowadays it's the elders of the church, but back then it was the elders of the gate, and say, my child will simply not listen to me. Old Testament-wise, they would all pick up a rock, and they'd stone the child to death. That is how it was done in the Old Testament. So if your daddy ever scooped you up and said, we're going to the gates, you know your life was over. Because the elders would classically just simply put you to death because you've shown a pattern of defiance that continues to rise up against the knowledge of God. Well, nowadays, through the power of grace of Jesus Christ, if a father has a hard time with parenting, he brings that situation to the elders of the church, and the elders of the church help bring correction instead of rocks. Thank the Lord. The primary reason for this requirement was because the child rebelling against the, the, de uh, the descent of the father through the earthly father blocked the flow of God's love in reaching future generations. That is why the king said, go get the man who's responsible for lying about Daniel and his family. That meant his wife and his children. Throw them into the lion's den. And the Bible says they were devoured before they hit the ground. That is, was a common practice of ridding 
those who stop the flow of the anointed one, the prophet. Back in those days, you didn't come against a prophet, a man of God. Back in those days, you didn't come against a father. And if you did, there were serious consequences. So these wild and woolly stories that we read about in the Bible actually had meaning and purpose to it. Yeah, I am man enough to do it myself. That is what I have heard in counseling for many years. Whether it is actually spoken in those words or whether it is simply lived out. I'll take care of it. I'll do it. So what happens is that man detaches rebellion from the life source of that father figure and goes and figures it out themselves. I can be my own father equals I can be my own God. Which equals I will love myself. Since I don't sense you loving me the way I want you to love me, I will go somewhere else to get loved the way I want to love. It's called church shopping. It's called family shopping. It's detaching and going and finding sin that surrounds your theology. And the church is filled with people who are hunting for sins to wrap around their theology. And God is saying a, a complete different message. That there is life and there's long life in honoring your father and mother. Spiritually, adoptive, and naturally. The only three fathers known to mankind. In postmodern days, today, fathers take on too much in attempting to correct a rebellious child. This is why you see abuse by a father in, the six, in 60 percent of the world's families. Children have the tendency to look at God through the ways their fathers have either hurt or blessed them. So the perspective of this generation growing up that we're seeing going extremely postmodern, and postmodern is another word for saying, I'm my own man. I'm my own person. I don't need authoritative direction breathing down my neck to live out my life. Do you realize that there's probably less than, this is what, what one of my mentors says, there's less than 2% of the true body members of Christ that can be told directly what to do. And they will say, yes, sir. We actually say, don't do that. And they will actually say, yes, sir. No, that directness usually says, I'm gone. I'm out of here. Because I can't be told what to do. I must question their salvation. Any child of God who cannot be told what to do has somehow wrapped sin around some theological perspective they have. And it, do it doesn't work. It's not real. The proof of salvation is obedience. Do, you, do, do, do we all get that? It's the proof. 
And the reason I obey becomes the second element of proof. If I obey because I love, then that is a sign I've been born again. If I obey because of the law, it's a sign that maybe I'm not born again yet. But obedience is at the pinnacle of the cross. That's what kept Jesus on the cross is obedience to his Father. Before salvation was, was actually introduced to the entire world after the tomb, it was obedience that kept him on the cross. It was obedience that had him drink from that cup. It was obedience that kept him in the tomb. It was obedience that kept him in the pit of hell for three days. It was obedience that caused him to walk out of that tomb. Then free Christianity was birthed because of Jesus' obedience. So yeah, it became free to us. We didn't, we didn't have to work for it. Our obedience could be mixed with love because God is love and Jesus came inside the cup so love exists in us so we can obey through love. But Satan knows exactly how this works. If I can just get that child bitter if I can just get that child upset at their father, if I can just get that wife upset at her husband. The term father is used as protector and patron. Patrons have seven primary characteristics. They are called, each of them actually, are called to demonstrate and promote, number one, to produce, two is to protect, three is to affect, four is to discipline, five is joy, six is faith, and seven is to model. These are from the Hebrew. These weren't fun little words that I tried to find to describe a patron. This is actually a biblical mandate or law of what must be seen in someone who is calling themselves a father. They need to have the attitude of producing children, corn, everything they invest in, they're wanting to produce more. They're wanting to multiply. Two, protect. What you are putting your seed into, if it's a seed of the sperm, it is children, so you want to protect them. If it's the seed in the ground, you want to protect the corn. If it's your seed in an investment, you want to protect your investment. So produce requires protection. And then the effect. Well, what's the effect you get out of children? Hopefully, training children up in the ways of the Lord. What effect do you get from the corn? Well, I love corn on the cob. A little butter and salt and pepper. Discipline. I don't see too many farmers out there spanking their corn. I've seen a few farmers out there kicking their corn or cursing the dirt or something. But what you have invested in, you bring discipline to, so it continues to, as I was looking in Q's garden the other day, he had some of his plants growing up this vine structure that he created. 
So the green beans could easily be picked. That's discipline. He is providing structure for his investment to grow so it will make it easier to pick and easier for the child to grow, the plant to grow, the investment to grow. That's what brings the joy. So Q walks out there and he's starting to see the green beans, you know, come on that plant and he's like, yes! And he was talking about his corn, this side of the cornfield, you know, I'm going to get a good, good, you know, investment return. And this side over here doesn't look like it's going to be such a good investment return. And they start explaining to me, it's probably the difference of the soil, <laughs> of where he made his investment. Do you realize a man can put his seed inside of a woman and she'll trash the children? She'll abuse them. Or you can put your seed inside of another kind of woman and she will train those children up to love and honor and respect the living God. Soil. The principle works absolutely everywhere. Faith is walking out there in the field or in the garden every day going, okay, I just, I trust God's creation of the soil. I trust the seed I bought from, you know, wherever to get the best seed I could. I'm trusting, you know, I'm watering. I'm doing my part. I have faith. Like Hugh said earlier, a man gets to the point where he realizes he can do nothing else at a certain point of the journey than to just have faith. Using the situation that we were talking about is he invested his seed in his wife, she gets pregnant. There is all kinds of problems that, ha, that have been occurring through that pregnancy, and so you see this protective nature coming out in him. And, and I saw it during this past visit to the hospital, an enormous amount of protection, and because he is protecting that investment, he was also demonstrating the effect of his investment. And then the discipline is making sure the structure uh, in the, from in the hospital to home or to whatever, like her being here for bed rest for a week, is discipline, it's structure to preserve the seed, the investment. And then the joy when you see God show himself like he did in that situation there's enormous amount of joy and then realizing which is why I was asking realizing the conclusion is this thing is we had absolutely no control over this after the investment of the seed that's what we're called to do proactively is to put the seed in the ground provide structure to make sure that seed has every opportunity of life that it can. But you see, it's really God who's the one that causes the growth. Where is that passage where it says Paul planted the seed and Apollos watered, but God caused the growth. That's where we're right here. Will this baby be taken to heaven or will this baby be given to us on earth? It's still a question. You live this, you have demonstrated the actual model of God the Father from heaven. Father Al uh, actually means elder. 
That means that every man is called to be a father, spiritual or physical. Every man. This age, Wyatt's age, Q's age, or us older agers. Single, married, makes zero difference to God. Every man is called to be an elder. Every man is called to be a father. Paul was a father to billions. I am one of his kids. You see how that works? Just because of how God used him, turned him into a spiritual father, I am one of his children. So therefore, keep this in mind. They may not be ordained as an elder for the local church, for example. But God, as the supreme elder, classifies them in his likeness as a father. Consequently, this earthly father must strive to meet the job description and role of an elder. You need to train the young boys from before birth to actually become elders of the land. Whether they end up like Paul, never touching a woman, or they end up like Peter, touching a woman, having children, and still doing the job of the ministry. And these requirements become the characteristics we as parents are required by God to plant in the hearts of our male children. The pupils of the spiritual master are called sons. Paul was very good at bringing that out when he would talk about his primarily his two spiritual sons that he referenced, Titus and Paul. Uh, three dynamic roles of the father are spiritual, adoptive, and natural. So a spiritual father grows and cares for the life of another with spiritual matters. An adoptive father is one who has made a choice to be a father to a fatherless child. Is there a verse that comes to mind when you hear that? For I, the Lord God, promise you this day that I will be a father to the fatherless. Salvation is adoption. That's what that is. You're seeing all of you running around acting like you don't have a daddy. Because you're your own God. You're your own dad. You're your own authority. You're your own man. You're fatherless. But I'm here to tell you that I have come to be a father to the fatherless. Every child is born an orphan. Until he finds the father. It is the earthly father that is to carve out the pathway to meet the father. And if he's irresponsible in that passageway, God oftentimes uses one of these guys to get the job done. Like with Timothy. I don't know if his dad was dead or hooked on the bottle. We don't know. But we do know God took Paul and provided this, but he also adopted him as a father 
So he earthly actually cared for him as well as caring for him, in, him spiritually. And then there's the natural fathers who actually have the DNA thing going for them. If they can do all three, they, they are in good shape. That's where the absolute ultimate model is to take place. A faithful earthly father functions in the role of all three. He is to be the spiritual master, father to the fatherless children, and function under the full responsibility of a natural father. This is why a father is typically one who is uh, revered in scripture. This earthly father is not to take ownership of being revered uh, or reverenced, but passed there to pass it on to the heavenly father. But it is common for children to admire their fathers as a child of, of God admires the father. In fact, this admiration is the step in a child's life toward discovering the heavenly father. Paul, as the child of the living father, knew that in order to be an effective spiritual father, he needed to understand the consolation of who was the father of his teacher, Jesus. A man of God understands that a man is under a father in order to be a father. He's a fake and a phony if he's not under the father when he thinks he's the father, the man. It's phony. There's nothing sustainable about it. It will fall apart someday. So here's the overflow thing. It is God's nature to impart everything he is to his offspring since he originated it and is the source of and fountain of it. This is why he gives it to his children who are all true indwelt believers. So, so this is the father and he pours his life out into his children. It's an overflow. So as the Bible talks about my cuppeth runneth overeth, that's exactly what's being communicated to us. God keeps pouring. What man or the father decides to do with that pouring is a complete different story. So that power is, is uh, in the color version of this. This is blood. It's the blood of Jesus. So you have the full elements of how this all works. You have God the Father, God the Son, and we are to receive this life of Jesus Christ, the blood of Jesus Christ, through this system I'm showing you and presenting today. Always remember what flows into the Father flows into the children, good or bad. Satan himself knows this principle a lot better than most Christians. Since God the Father is the source of all the design elements of man, we, as indwelt Jesus followers, should regard God as the source of true manhood. There is no other real source of authorship but from God. He is abundantly able and willing to impart these profound truths of man to his children. And our prayer today is very simple. 
Keep in mind that if you want a copy of these notes, we have them. We can run them on the copier before you leave. But the prayer is, Dear Father, I know you are the Father of truth and compassion. I acknowledge that I do not have any ability on my own to understand your divine purpose of fatherhood here on earth. I need your power and grace to gain understanding as to see in your purpose of earthly fathers. I understand that I have the tendency to look at you through the sins of my father. I reject this as a, as a form of truth. You and you alone are the father of all living things. And I press forward to acknowledge your given and stated truth as the way, the truth, and the life that I am to live by, not my earthly father. I thank you for revealing to me your ways. And I pray you will guide me as I study your purposes of an earthly father. These things I pray in the blessed, blessed name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I just want to post a reminder here. I am not the type of preacher that puts people on the spot to pray these prayers. So I would encourage you to think and pray about this. You can get this prayer online, or uh, like I said, you can get a copy of it today. So, God is a God who is the Father, and what you do unto the least of these, my brethren, and some of our earthly fathers are very, very least of these, you do unto me. And if there's anything that, that you have to get cleaned up, with God, um, I don't care how old you are in regard to your father, whether he's dead or alive, I say you need to do it. Next week, we're going to talk about how men are like women, which is kind of odd because it's usually how, how women are like men since they're taken from his side. But there are certain traits that God put inside of a man to function actually much like a woman. And to give you a little clue, hint, and it is for the strict purpose of that man functioning like a woman in his relationship with Jesus. For he is the bride of Christ. So, uh, it's going to be a fun, a fun, I think that's going to be two weeks long because it's pretty meaty, but uh, it's going to be a fun little mini-series. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the honor, the privilege, the blessing to sit here and receive your truth. God, much of it, uh, honestly, we can't even mentally hang on to because we're tired or it was, it's just simply too much at one time. And that's when I know, God, by faith in Christ Jesus, we can rely upon the power of the Holy Spirit to bring to remembrance the words of Jesus. Swing those words back around in the minds in a daily experience. That I pray for right now in Jesus' name. Bless us, O oh God, with the blessing of faith. Increase our faith that we might rest in you. That we might know that we have already died 
We've been crucified. We've been buried. We've been resurrected. And we have been raised up. And we are now seated at the right hand of God. Our love. Our Father. Our Abba. Jesus, thank you for being our husband. And thank you for giving us the privilege to be your bride. And it is only in your name we pray. Thank you for joining us today. Heartland Family Fellowship is a local church plant here in Sterling, Kansas. Our fellowship includes the family and all levels of worship. Our mission is to bring families back together spiritually, relationally, and physically. Many people ask us, what does that really mean, or how does it benefit them? Well, it means that you can bring your entire family to any of Heartland's events. And we will work to keep the focus on God, Jesus Christ, and the body of Christ without dividing up the family at the front door. If you're interested in learning more about our fellowship or other family-integrated fellowships, please log on to our website. That is www.heartlandfellowships.org. We thank you for joining us. Get yourself in a bind, lose a shirt off your back. Need a floor, need a couch, need a bus fare.